Hello and welcome to the Bipolar Feminist Podcast. This is your host, Nikita Ramkisun, and this week we have a special guest by the name of Angela Weichel, who is the co-director of She Said So South Africa, the culture and network manager for Levi's House of Strauss Africa, and has a spot on Reform Radio in the UK. Angela and I have been involved in the music industry in Johannesburg for a very long time, and she has been a music industry professional for as long as I've known her. Thank you for being on the show, Angela. So I have a couple of questions, so as to direct the conversation a, a little bit. But you're saying that, I mean, she said, so you started getting involved in 2017. What has the journey been like? So it's um, it's an interesting one. It's also, it's getting better now as there's more visibility. We, are, we now have like a really strong team. In the beginning, it was volunteer-based. So you have to give of your time as it's available. You know, so you want everyone to feel like, they're heard you want to feel like there's a community but you also can't like prioritize too much over other things because it's supposed to be a fulfilling experience and not like a pressured stressful experience you know yeah so I think that in the beginning there wasn't a lot of structure we also don't didn't know what to expect from how it would grow and all that those kind of stuff we get a lot of guidelines from the global community and from the global team and that has helped us now but they also everything you do it depends on your region because obviously yeah. different countries require different things so yeah. we noticed that the trend for our work was having a lot of focus on like activism because mm-hmm. we have a lot of need for that in South Africa we do a lot of awareness about like safety and diversity and inclusion within the South African music industry. And a lot of our work happens in that sphere. But then what we did was, you know, when we got to the pandemic, then obviously everyone was reeling a bit because the music industry suffered greatly. And as opposed to all of the other countries where governments were giving grants for and like taking care of most sectors of industry in South Africa the arts and culture suffered greatly and as much freedom as you have by working in the music industry when when things are good when it's bad it's really bad it's you know? really bad and yeah so what we decided to do at the beginning of last year is revamp the chapter and relaunch at the beginning of this year so take a year to kind of redefine our goals we built a really beautiful new leadership committee and then we have three co-directors and I'm one of them along with Mbali and Dlovu and Jackie Queens we have this great leadership team and together we spent last year coming up with the chapter plan for this year and just doing a lot of great planning and now we get to action all of that and we're starting to add new people to the network and invite people in and get everyone excited about the future of the chapter you know because that's the other thing is like being a a director is very transitional so you have to create strong so that when the next person comes on board they get to take on something that is strong and they don't have to start the work all over again so tell me more about she said so as as a global kind of purpose what Mm. is its purpose what is its its goals because I know that with with South African chapters it'll be very different obviously you said the landscape is different yeah yeah So globally, um, it was created as a support network for women in the music industry. Andrea, who is the founder of She Said So, saw a a need for women to be able to kind of 
find a way to network with each other, support each other, and as music industry professionals, be able to just find ways to make you not like feel alone and just create like a really strong supportive environment where you feel like you're heard and you have resources available for you. And just like, you know, I suppose in any other context it would be like almost like unionizing, but not, you know, just mm -hmm. knowing that there are people that you, a community that supports you, right? So that mm -hmm. was the need. And it started just as women and it's now gender minorities as well, because I see it's whoever's not properly represented within the music industry. There is also now, it has grown into including allies who can support the work of She Said So. So you can sign up as an ally to say, listen, I understand that women and gender minorities require more representation in the music industry. There is a problem. I want to support that work versus only looking after myself because I'm a man and I get everything that I want. You know, what I mean? the very important thing is that the focus on uplifting women and gender minorities and creating opportunities rather than we're not here to bash men. Like it's not a negative thing. Everything needs to be super positive. And I think that's what is great about being this is that everything is approached from a very positive perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. I like that. And so, yeah. So globally, it's like you get to, you're in a community where you can speak to an entertainment lawyer. You can speak to the head of a label. You can speak to someone in A&R. You can speak to someone who does programming at a festival, like all of these women want to offer their time and their resources to be able to connect. And I think it's really nice just to go, I need help with this. So who can I speak to? Who will be able to give me some guidelines to this? You know, have, have a valuable resources, resource that actually feels like a friend that you can call up, you know? Yeah. So I think it's creating that sense of community that you feel like you belong and that you can have someone to rely on when things are good, but also when things are really bad. And things yeah. that have come out of this is they have a parenthood committee now. So they have a section of She Said So that focuses on parents who are in the music industry and mm -hmm. do, do activations and things around that. There's a lot of focus on mental health. There's a lot of focus on mentoring. You know, there's all of these things that have branched out because it's the different regions and the different sectors of the music industry have highlighted that these are focus points yeah. and you can't highlight these focus points without having a community that's willing to engage in these conversations yeah so putting heads together and saying okay these are our blind spots yeah for sure and the other thing is is that she said so gets to exist in a space where they're doing a lot of good work and they're thinking about very many elements but you also get to rely on the fact that there are other organizations that also concentrates on women working in the music industry and that we can all exist in harmony mm. so that there's like a kind of a united front in trying to make things better in the music industry globally you know so it's mm. not one organization's sole responsibility to fix all the problems and all of these different organizations can be inspired by each other and can work together and can you know make a difference as a like a huge collective which i think is mm -hmm. way more effective than everyone trying to be a single ship in the night you know true and so how is the the diversity and inclusion work directed by she said so mm -hmm. you, so you said we are speaking um, about programming and mm -hmm speaking to organizations, mm. yeah. Mm. So in the context of She Said South Africa in 2019, so the, you know, there's always, it, it was sparked by the contentious subject, which is a National Women's Day in South Africa mm -hmm. and how that is being co-opted into brands making things pink 
in August and people only working with women creatives in August and all this kind of stuff, you know, like and only focusing much like brands do with pride and only focus on the queer community over pride. It's the same thing for women. All of a sudden National Women's Day, which was a very important milestone in, uh, in South African history was co-opted into this commercial thing that was just made for profit basically you know and it, everyone kind of lost the true essence of why we were celebrating the day so in a conversation about that we came up with this campaign called inclusion before profits mm-hmm. and what we, we did was we made like a a little like frame that you put around your profile picture that had the hashtag inclusion before profits and we got a bunch of women in the music industry a bunch of people who are allies women who are not in the music industry but stand behind it too we launched on one day everyone changed their profile pictures to launch the campaign for inclusion before profits and the idea was to start making people aware that we will be involved with your things that have got to do with women's day if you can illustrate that you focus on women and include women and are diverse throughout the year and Mm -hmm. that if you are not willing to illustrate that or take some sort of responsibility for the fact that you aren't doing anything except for in august but then we don't want anything to do with your event or your show or whatever it is and that took many forms so we used three months leading up until the end of august 2019 as a fundraising around inclusion before profit and we selected three charities that we donated to. We did, I think the organization is called Out or something like that, um, in, they're based in Pretoria, but it's a LGBTQI plus organization. And then we did a women's focused organization and then a, a safe house organization that was in the Eastern Cape. And we split up the profits from the campaign equally and we paid to each of the organizations the money that we raised from the inclusion before profit we didn't take any profit from it. We, we donated all of the proceeds to these organizations. So that was the campaign part of it. Then the other part, the fundraising part of it. And the other part was if you got offered a gig or whatever it might be in August that was specifically themed around Women's Day, an artist or a person was saying to the promoter, I'll take the show if you're willing to contribute to an NGO that is woman focused or is LGBTQI plus focused. If you're not willing to do that, that means you don't really care about women and then I don't want anything to, to do with what you're doing. I turned mm-hmm. down a few shows because people were like not interested in, and I was like, well, I'm not going to promote your event or your venue or, or the work that you do because I know that you don't book women the rest of the year and we don't only exist in August 2019, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was like a learning process for us because we could see there could be some impact and we hope to reprise the inclusion before before profit in some form in the future but it was a really interesting exercise in seeing how people do react to being called out on profiting of something that is around women but without any sort of positive intention so that's kind of how we approached like the diversity and the inclusion and all that kind of stuff now with all of the projects that we have coming up they are all focused particularly on women and gender minorities as a priority and we also support other people who are doing projects to highlight certain issues within the industry that have got to do with diversity and inclusion issues. There is currently a Instagram account that's part of a global movement. It's called Lineups Without Males. And what they do is they have an Instagram account. There's, I think it started in Australia. And then there's a couple of Instagram accounts globally. And they've started one, a South African one. But basically they post the original poster from a, an event with the lineup. And then when you slide across, the poster shows all the 
the men removed from the lineup to highlight how many women are on the lineup. And some mm. posters, it goes from like 50 to two. Some of them, it goes from like 20 to 10. So it's just to illustrate the actual balance of lineups, you know? Mm. Mm. And it's, it's caused a bit of a stink locally, which is amazing. I'm super happy about that. Yes. Um, because it's not there to cause any sort of trouble. It's also not like any telling any mistruths. It's all factual. It's like we looked yeah. who the men were on the lineup and we took it off. You know what I mean? And we're showing you the difference. So it's there as a like a data capturing visual representation of just how dire the situation is. And they focus on the bigger lineups where there are bigger budgets, there are more people being booked, the opportunity to have a more diverse lineup is available. Yeah. Rather than like we know, like the you know they were saying how because they did a whole they did a frequently asked questions post I think a day or two ago after all of the uproar because there were a lot of people who had their nose bent the wrong way about it and I'm just like, I love that you know what I mean the, yeah. the little punk activist heart in me I was like <laughs> I was like I wish I was running this account I would totally tell people I was doing it but it's not me it's interesting because it's literally all facts so if you want to be upset yeah. about it or you want to make like a terrible statement about it then that just means you're denying actual truths um which is just silly but they have a frequently asked questions app about why they're doing what they're doing all of that but things like that i think are really important and we can support that kind of work as well because then it kind of it gives a lot of weight to both their work and the work that we're doing you know yeah uh, you've been involved in the music industry for as long as i've i've known it's yeah i think it's similar you know, 16 17 years now yep similar yeah long time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i i honestly especially as a brown woman i i completely understand the need for an organization such as this because i, mean, I, I was told by a very famous journalist my first uh, opi copy what does a brown girl know about rock mm. so i completely understand yeah. but can you spell it out the need for mm. she said so in south africa as in yes. to the state of south african music the, the music yes. industry as a whole in 2018, I got to do a TEDx talk and I did it on safety, inclusion and diversity in the South African music industry and spoke on like the real issues that we face. And I stand by it. And I, and I think this is a good way to highlight the reason behind an organization like She Said So South Africa existing is that there is a very clear issue in terms of representation for women and gender minorities in the music industry in South Africa not just globally, in South Africa. That's paired with the fact that we have one of the worst rates of GBV in the world, and that is an extra thing to add on. So you don't feel safe going out at night, going out to cool places, going out where someone could potentially spike your drink. These are things that you want to work in an industry that is based in nightlife and in crazy situations where people are partying and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So you are at risk in so many ways. You're not represented well, which means that people don't actually care if you're there or not in the first place. Then when you are there, you're at a very high risk being there because you need to make sure that you're safe at all times and that it, you are at risk in a lot of different ways, not just being attacked, being spiked, all these kind of things. Plus you are not showing like by not including women and gender minorities you're telling them that they're not good enough and that they have no right to be in spaces and that and you're creating a climate that then makes the next generation think the same thing and then we mm -hmm. can't have any sort of change because that's my thing when we first got on this call I casually mentioned how there was no one when I started in the industry there was no one for me to look up to so I mm -hmm. just did my own thing 
but it's really true. I think it took me like two years before I had an, another woman in the industry to look up to who actually took time to speak to me and was willing to share with me and all this kind of stuff. And all of that backwards thinking that I went through in like the first five to eight years is the reason why we are still fighting so hard now. Yes. Is that you still have to explain to someone why it's not okay that there are only men on this lineup. Yeah. And then you have to explain to people why this lineup is a problem because it's only white people on the lineup. Because that is another thing. This is mm -hmm. not just a gender thing. This is a race thing. And that is what true equity and true equality and diversity is about, is including everybody. It's being a gender minority. It's, it's a race situation. It's everything. And mm -hmm. you have to have people who care about all of those elements, you know? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I get uncomfortable when I see people who I've known for the last 15 years on lineups that look like the same lineups that were happening 15 years ago. And mm -hmm. they're proud of it. Yeah. And they show up and they take their money and they play the gig and then they go that was awesome and they go home and it's embarrassing because they have made themselves into little islands where nothing else matters and you can't grow you can't grow as an industry you can't grow as a society if you're actively saying you don't matter and that's yeah. what it is the exclusion of people who are in a minority is you actively saying you don't matter. You're not good enough. I don't care about you. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to do the work that we need to do. Yeah. It's because you do matter. Very often you're more talented than the people who have the opportunities. Yeah. And you're not getting heard and you're not getting a platform because someone has decided that you are lesser and you don't deserve to have it. And, you know, the work we want to do is to go, actually, everyone that you're ignoring is the people that deserve the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so we have to find a way way for you to no longer have a choice to ignore them yeah I think that <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, and I find right from the start when I started as as a young journalist I noticed how divided the music industry is especially along race lines how do you think that we, that we can overcome that whole this is black music this is white music because mm. you always have mm -hmm. I was the the token Indian person at at a folk of Polisica gig. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you think that we can overcome it with uh, an organization such as this? Mm. I mean, I think, you know what the tough part is, is that, so I live, so I'm in Johannesburg where everyone listens to everything and it's super diverse, but like most of my career was in Cape Town where things were very separated. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because, you know, I think I'm a piano got to Cape Town like a year after everyone else was into it you know what I mean like it, it, the yeah. progression you know and the parties were all like if you were at a hip-hop party you had a nice diverse crowd but if you were at if you were watching bands as you said if you were at a band show like at the assembly or something if it wasn't a band that had people of color in it mm -hmm. predominantly the audience was white you know what I mean? And that's like in a country where you have to try very hard to only be with white people. It was like they were all in the same place, you know? Yeah. And so I think now the climate that we're in, because South African music is so heralded globally, especially I'm a piano and all of these genres that are now influencing the rest of the world. It's not so much like a black music, white music thing anymore, because also you have young black and colored kids who are making like indie rock and punk and all of this because that's like where they're being influenced so I think that the artists making the music are more diverse I just think that it's the people who are the promoters and the people with the connections mm. and the money 
are the people who were standing on the dance floor next to me watching bands 10 years ago. And that's the framework of what they're working with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it's an active thinking that you need to change. You know what I mean? So I mm. think that it's, you just have to be, you have to confront yourself, first of all. And maybe it's an exercise of going, deciding with your team. Our lineups have to be 40% men, 60% women or queer artists, right? And then within mm -hmm. that, it needs to be, again, 60% needs to be non-white and then 40% white and actually have a formula behind it and mm -hmm. plug your lineups in. Look for artists to fill that up. Because yeah. the excuse is, one of the biggest excuses <laughs> that has been highlighted on the is, is Oh, women won't sell tickets. If we put more women on the lineup, people won't come, you know, and they will, you know, they'll find, oh, this kind of audience doesn't want to listen to this kind of artist. Uh -huh. But that same music is playing on the radio in their car when they're driving home from work. You are telling your audience that they're dumb and they don't deserve to be challenged. That's the other thing. Yes. Right? Is you've created the climate where people don't have the choice of whether they get to listen to this artist. You're not giving them the opportunity to mm -hmm. listen to the art. So using that excuse that the people that we're asking you to book won't sell tickets is because you've created a climate where there isn't an opportunity for them to sell tickets because you're not booking them. It's, yes. It goes both ways. And the dominance with lineups that work favorably comes from the people who are booking actually mm -hmm. understand how things should be working. But unfortunately, the other element that has been sold on what a lineup should look like is the sponsors, right? Yes. Because they all, go, they all go to the same people to give their money and those people abuse the privilege and give us boring lineups all the time you know yeah. <laughs> I mean I'm very I could talk about this for days it's like it's extremely infuriating I actually had this conversation with uh, Tekla and uh, Gareth Wilson who does take a stand against somebody like the problematic artists it was Sticky Fingers and the 1975 both highly problematic I started so, trouble with Sticky Fingers I started a petition same <laughs> I was I saw the petition, but I wrote the article for Tekla about it. Yeah. I was like, I and I just didn't hold back at all. I know. And you so, know what the thing is, yeah, it's tough because because I've never really cared. Like people have said to me, if you say this, then no one's gonna book you anymore and blah blah blah. And I'm mm. also in a, like I took a little bit of a step back during the pandemic because I wanted to wait until the vaccine was freely available to everyone. I thought mm -hmm. that's uh, the, the least that I can do. I want to be fully vaccinated and I want everyone to have the choice to be vaccinated before I start DJing again or being active in the music mm -hmm. industry. And so for whatever positive or negative effect that's had on my career, the one thing I can tell you for sure is that throughout my career, I don't, I've never cared what someone is going to think if I'm standing up for something I'm right about in terms of like something that really matters. I'm willing mm -hmm. to fight for it. You can try and threaten me. You can do whatever you want to. You know, there was... At one point, I can't even remember what year it was. I think it might have been 2018. I caused a stink because I made a Facebook status about how I was going to have a list of abusive men on my rider that I wouldn't play parties yes. with. And then that kind of, okay, Africa picked that up. And I was like, oh, what have I done? And then I was out, like two days later, I was out at a venue in Joburg. And these people were staring at me, whispering, going like, oh, she's the one with the list. Uh, and it was like, 
I used to like welcome those challenges and I still do, but I do it in a more effective way. Like I was very like disruptive and punk about it because I was like, I'll fight anyone, which I'm still willing to do, but I don't do like social media keyboard activism anymore because the people you encounter on social media aren't willing to learn. So the only person whose feelings going to get hurt is your own because you've wasted your time. And so that's the nice part about growing up is that you go, actually, it's not in a Facebook comment section. It's mm-hmm. not in a Twitter thread. It is actually doing. Because yeah. I always go back to the, you know, the idea of how anytime something violent happens to a woman, then it's men are like, oh, we should, we need to do better, Oaks. Like, God, mm-hmm. guys, we've got to do better, you know? And it's that whole idea of like the performative talk around things versus action. And I will talk when the talking is necessary. But most of the time, I just step back and I go, you know what? I, we see a problem here. How can we find a solution? What is going to make the biggest difference? Because the biggest difference is actually the smallest act. And that's what people don't realize. I think people get overwhelmed with a problem and go, I can't actually make a difference here because it's too big for me. But if you Mm. contribute one thing that is positive into changing a problem, everyone else can also contribute something small and that has a bigger impact, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not about shouting on social media and all of that. It's like, how do I change someone's life? How do I contribute? Sometimes it's someone DMing us going, I don't know what to do in this situation. Who can I speak to? Please help me. And then you find them a lawyer that is willing to do pro bono or a therapist who can talk to them. Sometimes it's something as simple as that, right? And they can have the biggest impact. And that's kind of where I focus myself and where we want to focus ourselves with She Said So is like, we've got big things that we want to do and we will be doing, but it's about being available in some form to someone on a very friendly daily basis that's going to make a difference in their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think we do that because it makes everyone feel stronger. So if all the women feel stronger, they'll stand up for themselves. And then we all work together. Then we go, actually, you are a problem because I was too scared to say something, but now I know that I've got 150 women standing behind me, so I'm Mm -hmm. going to speak about something. Yeah, But it always starts with that one woman. Mm. And it's, it could be anyone, you know, and I think that there's so much like legacy value here with the work that we do. I think that it's going to take a lot longer than I wish it would, but it's going to take many, many, many more years before we see the, the equity and diversity and the quality that we want, right? People don't really remember, but just before the pandemic, there was a global conversation about diversity on lineups and a bunch of festivals and, and venues and stuff made like this statement about by 2025 we will have a 40 60 or a 50 50 lineup blah blah blah, whatever and now everyone gets to use the pandemic as an excuse that everything had to be paused because we you know what i mean but like social change doesn't have to stop because there was a pandemic you're using it as excuse to be like oh well we lost two years and now you have to give us till 2027 which is sad i too maybe 2019 as well a lot happened in 2019. I think it might have been 2019. Bazique Festival. You know that festival. Yes. So they posted their lineup and it was horrendous. There were like almost no women and it was all white artists, whatever. And I actually went and I made a list of all the artists and I worked out the percentage of women and people of color on the lineup, right? And I wrote a letter to the festival director going, this is the situation. This is the actual percentage. This is not okay. 
And he replied, he was like, yeah, thanks so much. We'll look into it for next year. He didn't take me seriously at all, at all. He was just like, well, cool. Thanks for doing the maths. Um, we'll try better next year kind of thing. And there was a pandemic and they didn't get care anymore. But like that kind of stuff where you can show facts and someone will just shrug at you and be like, well, mm. you've just wasted two hours of your life doing maths homework. I don't care. Or people threaten you when you call out. You mm -hmm. say something about a lineup or an event or an artist and you're like, very careful. Because I also never want to be like caught in like a libel or slander thing. Like I only ever speak facts, you know, mm -hmm. anything that isn't like passable and like wouldn't be printed by press, then we inner circle it. So we spread the word clandestinely. Like people must know, but I can't post about it, you know. We still get the word out. But when it's actual facts that I can share and, and, and someone speaks out, when other people do it, they get like, like threatening DMs, all this kind yep. of stuff. To this day, when I've spoken about something, no one has ever tried to DM me because they know I will screenshot it <laughs> and post it. People yes. don't try to threaten me because I've like made it very clear, like, I'm not scared to talk about this, number one. Number two, if you think you can threaten me, I will just screenshot this with your name and show people what you're trying to say to me. Yes. And if you're trying to tell me that I can't work in an industry because of how I speak up, then maybe I don't want to even be part of that industry, you know, mm -hmm. because you're not creating a positive environment for me to want to be in any way. If having an opinion or caring about other people's safety means that I can't work in the industry, then do so, mm -hmm. you know, I yeah. need to be there. But it's also how people of color and especially women of color are driven out because they're like, mm. oh, we're, we're going to create a hostile space for you. And if you can't handle it, then leave. Yeah. And so yeah. when you speak about intersectional feminism, I, I was looking at She Said So's entire ethos and that intersectional feminism is so essential in the industry. Yeah. And how do, mm. how do you think it plays out that demand for intersectional feminism? You see, I think this is where the toughest part comes in, you know what I mean? Because I also, I've got like a great team around me so we we want to make it like that the team who represents the work we do is as diverse and reflects what the country's demographic is you know mm -hmm. that was very important and when we take on projects we make sure that the teams we build around that also positively reflect the demographic of the country mm -hmm. because that's the only way that you're going to get all the perspectives that you need the empathy and understanding and all of that you need people to understand because it's from their perspective you know yes. I can't speak on the black experience in music I have friends who are black and who have had experiences and they tell me about it that doesn't give me the right to speak on it I'd rather mm -hmm. give them the stage the microphone to speak about it and mm -hmm. I think that's how you need to do it right is go who is the authority in this conversation give and yeah. they are have to be the ones speaking on it it's not about translating or relaying their message and like crediting them when they have their own voice just give mm -hmm. them the opportunity to share their voice and speak mm -hmm. on the things they need to speak on. That is really where the intersectional work comes in, is like not taking credit for working with the right people, stepping mm -hmm. aside and giving the right people the moment in front of the camera, on the microphone, on the stage, heading projects, commenting on things that is where it really makes the difference you know and mm -hmm. I think it's globally I mean like she said so is based in, in the UK it was initially they're moving you know between America and the UK but the race politics is also difficult there because like Europe it's different to Africa you know what I mean yes. like you can be white in Europe and not be like South African whites you know what I mean mm -hmm. or be British whites you know just because you know so it's a much deeper thing there but I think here we're like white people are white people 
and non-white people are non-white people. It's very easy to know who should be speaking when. And as mm-hmm. a white person, you have to step out of the conversation and go, this is not my place. Yes. I will set up the connection. I will make sure that people are listening, but then I'm out of the conversation straight away. And I think yeah. that's the most effective way to do it. It's, it's like, this is not for me. This is not my lane. This is not my time to speak. And I like that because it paves the way for a lot more to be done by the communities that need it in the way that that specific community needs it to be done. And that's the essence of intersectionality for me. It's like looking at those specific needs and saying, okay, somebody who is in that specific position is the person who needs to lead up this project and get answers from that community directly instead of having people Mm. speak for them, right? And my Mm. final question, aside from intersectional feminism, one of my specific interests is the capital and economics of feminism, because I'm Mm. a a Marxist feminist as well. And obviously, there's such a huge pay disparity for women in the music industry as well. The global gender pay gaps uh, sits at just above 80 cents for a man's dollar. And in the music industry, it's even higher globally. The gap is wider. So it's something like 49 cents for a man's dollar in the music industry. And how does that play out in terms of the South African music industry and what we need to do? Mm. And how do we address it? I think, yeah, I think this is because the music industry is so informal, like it's un, it's ungoverned, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have like a formal job in the industry, so if you don't work for like a label or, you know, a distribution company or something where you have like a salaried job where it's easier to have these conversations, it again goes to how you prioritize an artist, right? Because an artist's priority equals a higher fee. So if you're not booking a woman or a queer artist that is equally as good as a male artist in the same situation, and that male artist gets booked over and over again, they grow faster, even if the other artists are as good or better than them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how their fees grow. So then it doesn't matter how good you are because you don't have like that popularity or that clout attached to you. So it, it directly ties back into the imbalance in the bookings and in how artists are treated. Because, yeah. you know, you can't get a fee if you're not playing a lot, but you're not playing a lot because people aren't booking you and they aren't booking you because you're a woman and they think no one wants to watch women perform you know what yeah. I mean and it's like like you have to be Beyonce before people will take you seriously yeah and that's like how do you become Beyonce someone has to give you the opportunity to go on stage 500 times and then you can you know what I mean I think that's yeah it's definitely tied into that it's like if you're in the informal part which is like gig fees you know performance fees anything that has got door to do takings. with like all of that like door splits bar splits mm-hmm. whatever you're negotiating the reason you're not in a stronger position is because you're being held back from growing the actual weight you have behind your negotiation skill. So it's a back to the lineups. And that is like a byproduct that I think people aren't thinking about. You can't grow as an artist if people aren't giving you opportunities Mm. to perform. And if you're not performing and growing, you're not creating an opportunity to earn more money, you know? It becomes a vicious cycle. Mm. It's a vicious cycle. Like you need to book women so they can become popular. So they can become popular, they get more money. Those are the facts. And so if you're not getting booked, because of your gender or because of your race it doesn't matter how good you are no one's going to pay you enough money to sustain your career 
And that's the other thing is, is like being an independent artist in South Africa is not sustainable. And so a lot of people end up giving up because they're not, don't have an opportunity to make the money that they need to make mm-hmm. because they've got so much going up against them. And then they're like, cool. They had a side hustle, but then they had to get a permanent job. And then like, you can't go on tour with your band because you have to take leave and like weird things like that, you know? Mm. And, and that is, that is an actual reality of being a musician in South Africa regardless of gender or race and it's further exacerbated when you are discriminated against because of your gender or because of a number of minority factors that are that don't affect the men who make money off music every single day yeah it's really difficult because it is you know it's also you know it's like really hilarious is that most of the people working in like logistical positions in the music industry are women because women are super organized they can do multiple things and they're very organized and they can get things done right so you have Mm -hmm. women pulling strings up until a certain point and then it's a ceiling for them as well Um, and I think the most revolutionary thing that happened in the last three years in the music industry was rocking the daisies being handed over to a, a team of women and that's amazing for them but that is like the most exceptional exception to the rule it really that you is, every night, it you really is. like you can't like your highest position can't be the executive assistant to the ceo in mm. the label like that can't be where the women stop you know and there are other places where there are amazing women growing really high up in the ranks i'm not going to pretend like there aren't but for the amount of women who are making decisions it's not having enough impact on like the grassroots level of what's happening in the music industry and i think that's where all of the organizations like she said so women in music all of these other things that's where our work is really gonna have the most effect is how do you you get to this position and then create positive change to the place where you came from. Because we all came from there. We all started there. You we know? really did. And whether you do that on a daily basis or in your spare time is, is the other thing, you know. But also there's no perfect science to it. And as I said, it's going to take a really long time. And I think that we also, when you work in this kind of sector, you take a lot of things personally. If you can't make a change immediately, you take it mm. personally. Because you feel like you've made some sort of promise. You feel like you've you've made a promise to people that you're going to change things and you haven't been able to do it, mm-hmm. or you things were going to ha- be bigger than they were and you and you weren't as successful. But you need to remove yourself from that feeling and go. Every little thing I do makes a difference. Absolutely. Every little contribution I make is a not has a knock-on effect and will have you know a positive impact at some point. I just think that it is again. It's you know women have a lot of empathy and so we feel all of our feelings regardless of if it's business yeah. or not <laughs> you know that gets stacked up against us and we get told that we're too emotional and we're you know, like all that boring shit that we hear all the time mm, we're too emotional but we're not the ones that punch holes in walls when we get angry so sure. but like all of that stuff that gets highlighted as a negative is the things that keep us like keeps us intuitive it keeps us in touch with what really matters it makes us really care about things but the one thing that we need to learn how it's to harness that power into being only positive and not let it knock us down and feel like we're not achieving the things that we need to achieve mm. because as one woman or a group of three women or a group of five women, we're not changing like centuries of issues that have been <laughs> affecting women. You know what I mean? Like you can't take that all on your yeah. shoulders. You can just learn to be a good example. Mm-hmm. 
make the difference where you can and make sure that you're also opening up opportunities for other people to have the same sort of effect you know the thing you can give people is hope and you can inspire them yeah, right true. maybe that's all that will ever come out i mean it's there will be much more i have confidence will be more than that but if that one of the things that comes out of it is that you just inspire people to like really believe that they can make a difference no matter in what capacity it can be then i think then then you're doing more than anyone else is trying to do by just pretending like there isn't a problem. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Angela for being on the show and to thank my patrons for making this podcast possible. You can support me by going to Patreon and subscribing for as little as $5 a month. You can now follow me on Instagram at thebipolarfeminist underscore.